But that chaplain sat down with me and he said, Jenny, I will tell you this. Your doctors don't understand why you got this cancer. We do not understand. Usually we can tell, give people some reasons. But in your case, we can't. But I will tell you this. Your healthy habits will help get you through the treatments and the journey. And he was right. And then he said something else I really didn't want to hear. He said, you're an author and a speaker. God is going to use this in your life as a gift to help other people. And I know you're thinking, Michelle, I looked at him and said, yippee, give me the gift. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't want this gift. But his words were prophetic. You're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch. Hello, Altered Stories show listeners. This is Michelle Saunders Gutch, your chief storyteller host. And welcome to the Altered Story Show, episode 64, Ginny's Unleashed God-Given Healing from Cancer, God's Story. Friends, I hope all is well and that you are enjoying the inspiring God stories I'm sharing on my show. Please do leave your feedback and comments on our stories that are shared. I also appreciate you sharing my stories with others who would be blessed by hearing them. And do share to my listening audience all around the world. Share them in all your communities. So today, friends, I am super excited. Oh, I'm excited to bring to the mic a very special guest, Jenny Brandt Dent. Let me just share a few words about Jenny and then she's going to share a little bit more. But she is a cancer survivor. She's an author, she's a blogger and a speaker who grew up in the halls of power in Washington, D.C. And she has ministered all around the world and has served as a counselor, an educator, an adjunct professor, and a wellness advocate. Her award-winning book, Finding True Freedom, From the White House to the World, was endorsed by Chuck Colson and was featured in many TV and media interviews. So this is such a treat to have her here with us today. Good morning, Jenny, and maybe it's good afternoon where you are, but welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great today. It's a rainy day, but it's a beautiful green day in South Carolina. Wow, I know South Carolina is beautiful. Do you go down to Myrtle Beach much? We used to go there every summer. Now we spend most of our summers at Hilton Head, but the beaches here are beautiful as well. The mountains are beautiful. The lakes are beautiful. Yes, I've been meaning to visit one of these days. I've been North Carolina, but never South. So I'm looking forward to that visit. And now I know someone that lives in that community. Well, thank you for being the guest that we really want to hear from today. 
And I would like to know if there's anything else you'd like to share about your, yourself personally that I haven't. Well, the only, I think, other important things is that I'm a wife and a mother of three sons and now three grandchildren and one on the way. And they are the, you know, apples of my eye. So we're in that grandparenting stage where we're just big suckers. You know, we can't say no and we just do all the typical grandparent things. Are you a grandma, Mimi, Nada? I mean, is there a special name or what do your grandkids call you? They call me Gigi. <gasps> That's my name. They call me Gigi. Mine too. Gigi. That's hilarious. Well, that's Gigi. cool. Yeah. So can't be too many Gigi's, right? Right. Right. But they're important jobs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's been the joy of my life too. I'd like to ask you, Jenny, everyone that I bring on the show, I always ask because I am such a proponent of stories and telling stories and sharing stories. There's so much power in that. But why do you think sharing stories are so important? When my husband and I were in undergraduate school at Columbia Bible College, now Columbia International University, every so often they would have a chapel service that was nothing but students sharing what God had done in their lives. And that was always our favorite chapel service, because when you can see and hear and feel and touch what God has done in someone else's life, it inspires you. So I think that's why storytelling is so important. It's wonderful to get preaching and to get singing and all these different things. But when someone shares how God did something special in their life, it inspires us as well. It does. And especially for those that are sharing, you know, it's so, I mean, every single time you share, it's so powerful and profound too, because you're living that, but it's such a blessing to see where, what God's done and how he's brought you to where you are, whatever it is that you're sharing about your God story. So I, I love that. And I also know you have, you know, a couple of books, obviously, this one that we're going to talk about your story today, you are, you have a book out, but there was that first book that is to me really an interesting topic and, or title that finding true freedom, you know, can, can you share a little bit about that book with my listeners? Sure. It's still on the market. It was written 10 years ago, but it tells the story of a 16-year-old girl, me, who had just become a Christian and everything around her falls apart. My mother has been diagnosed and hospitalized with severe depression. My father is one of the president's men surrounding Richard Nixon. And then Watergate comes down and he prepares me that he may go to prison just guilt by association. And that I will be left at 16 to raise my 10-year-old brother and to care for my mother. And my father is totally distraught. But I look back and realize that, you know, God knew this was going to happen. And he was sending people to mentor me and to teach me the power of prayer and teach me his word six months before all this happened. And I went straight to my knees 
to the word of God. And that uplifted me during the most difficult years of our lives. And here I am telling my dad, dad, I don't know that you'll go to prison. If you pray to God, he'll prove you to be right if you are innocent. And in the end, my father said your prayers worked because there were 65 men who went to prison in the Watergate trials. He was one of two who did not receive a prison sentence. Wow, that book sounds cool. We went to the White House where my father fought for the freedom of this country, not only in the Korean War and in the military, but in politics, because he believed in freedom. Yet we both found freedom in Christ. Now, the uh, irony of the story is my dad started to forbid everything I did because he was drinking too much of the Kool-Aid. And after the Watergate trials and God continuing to work in his life as I was praying, he ended up surrendering his life to Christ, leaving politics and going into full-time ministry where he would minister around the world, including helping the country of Romania come to freedom after the communist walls fell. Wow, what a story. You know, I know we've got another story, but, you know, I just am so delighted to talk to authors and those that are just into the whole storytelling piece. And, you know, I have listeners that really glean a lot from the whole story. Uh, telling aspect, and they love to read books, you know, all those types of books. So that's really cool. And I really appreciate you sharing more about that book. And I'm assuming that that's can be, we'll talk a little bit later about how, you know, people can reach out to you and, you know, those types of details. But, you know, as I always share on my you know, uh, my podcast, I always uh, ask the listeners to um, just get their earbuds in and hunker down, you know, to listen, because there's so much detail. But I would like to know where your unleashed cancer healing God story began. It actually began uh, when my mother died of breast cancer. And that was in 2014 in November. It was in April of 2015 that I competed in the, you know, just to walk, but the Cooper River Bridge Run, which is a 10 kilometer race that a lot of people walk for health reasons. And my husband do it annually. We, my husband and I do it annually. And that night, my ring got tangled in my nightie. And as I was trying to free it, I felt the lump in my breast. And I wasn't too concerned because I didn't have many of the risks. You know, I didn't have the known risk factors for breast cancer, but I immediately went to the doctor. And the first shock was when the doctor said, uh, it is cancer. And then the second shock came when they said, it's not only cancer, it's aggressive. Nobody wants to hear that. And then after the MRI came back, a surgeon sat me down in his office, flashed my MRI up on a screen because I was sitting there in disbelief at what he was telling me. He said, it looks like it's in your lymph nodes and in other parts of your body as well. And so that really sent me to my knees and my husband and I prayed about it. We prayed for God's guidance and we decided to get a second opinion. 
And I really encourage everyone, when you have a serious medical condition, even if you love your doctor and think they're wonderful, go to where the experts are, get that second opinion. Because we ended up going to Chicago, you know, up north to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and things began to turn for the better when I got some experts involved who said, you know, maybe this isn't stage four. Oh, it's aggressive and your life's in danger and you're going to have every weapon brought out to save your life. But we don't know at this point that it is stage four. And they put a naturopathic doctor and a nutritionist on my case. And that made a huge difference in my cancer journey because they were helping me. They were like two good fairies along the way, helping me to get through the journey and all these treatments. But I must tell you, I had a lot of questions. I didn't blame God because I learned from my dad's journey with Alzheimer's. He did die from that about the same time as Ronald Reagan, another president he worked with. I learned from that that Alzheimer's is largely, not all, but largely a lifestyle disease. And so as I delved deeper into cancer, I was beginning to see that cancer has a genetic factor as well, about 10%, but it's mainly a lifestyle disease. But I went to meet with the chaplain by myself because I had questions and I didn't understand how someone like me, who was a wellness advocate, who was known as a health nut, got an aggressive and deadly cancer. And the doctors verified I had none of the risk factors for this cancer. And they also did extensive genetic testing and that showed nothing either. But that chaplain sat down with me and he said, Jenny, I will tell you this. Your doctors don't understand why you got this cancer. We do not understand. Usually we can tell, give people some reasons. But in your case, we can't. But I will tell you this. Your healthy habits will help get you through the treatments and the journey. And he was right. And then he said something else I really didn't want to hear. He said, you're an author and a speaker. God is going to use this in your life as a gift to help other people. And I know you're thinking, Michelle, I looked at him and said, yippee, give me the gift. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't want this gift. But his words were prophetic because the more I researched and the more I learned to find answers, number one, why a health nut got cancer that I didn't have any risk for or genetics for, so I couldn't hang it on anything. And number two, I wanted to find out what I could do to be part of the cure and to help my doctors beat my cancer and to lessen the side effects, the side effects of all these treatments that were going to be brought out to save my life. And that sent me on an unending quest to research, to listen to doctors all over the world, to interview people. I just, you know, no stone would be unturned in my quest to understand why I got cancer and what I could do to be part of the cure. Wow. That's a lot, Jenny. That is a lot what you've shared. I guess today you are cured. Is, is that right? From this cancer? How, how long have you been a survivor? It was about six and a half years ago that I was diagnosed. So I am six and a half years out and, you know, loving every day of it. I call it now, you know, every day is a gift. You know, when you go through a cancer journey like that in your life flat, you have to face death and, you know, stare it down and face it. 
and you realize you you could die. I, I realize that. And then you end up living. You look at every day as a gift from God for you to serve him until he calls you home. Now, it's true that uh, because of the treatments I was given and the type of cancer I had, I am not promised tomorrow. But technically, none of us is promised tomorrow in the crazy world that we live in. So my philosophy now is every day is a gift for me to serve him until he calls me home. And part of that is extended to helping people prevent cancer with some of the wonderful information I learned that I really believe, Michelle, if I had known back then what I know now, I wouldn't have gotten cancer. I uncovered things that I was doing on an everyday basis that most of us are doing on an everyday basis. And we're all, I learned, we're all at risk for cancer in the day and age in which we live. And I'm trying to make people aware of that so that people, particularly Christians, can put a plan of prevention in place. And maybe they won't have to hear the words I had to hear, you have cancer. That would give me great joy to see the cancer rates go down. They are currently one in two for the generation born today. Wow. So can you share some of your nuggets, some of your, you know, what you learned and, you know, some of your wisdom around some preventions that we can put in place? Because I heard you say lifestyle. Okay. You know, I think you and I, when we had our conversation and it was wonderful to have that conversation with you. Um, to learn more about you and um, to see pictures, you know, of your journey and everything. We'll have all those on your episode page as we um, release this. But can you share some of those preventative measures that, you know, that we can take to help us prevent getting a diagnosis of cancer? Almost any doctor would tell you today the most preventative thing you can do for pretty much all diseases is exercise on a regular basis. Now, my husband and I were avid walkers, but what that chaplain said turned out to be true, that we were to continue walking and continuing to have that as a lifestyle habit. I even increased it and put more exercise in. But what was interesting is after my first and second surgery, I wanted to get all the tubes out of my body, especially the catheter out. It was driving me crazy. And the nurse said, in order to get it out, you've got to walk four rounds of this hospital floor by tomorrow morning. Well, I was ready at 6 a.m. the next morning, ready to go. And I walked four rounds and it felt so good to walk that I ended up walking a mile. And then I said, how many to two miles? They said, I don't think you can do that after the surgery you've had. I did it that day. I walked two miles on the hospital floor. The nurses were cheering me on. One nurse was calling my surgeon to make sure they shouldn't stop me. And she said, as long as she has the energy and balance, let her go. It'll only promote healing in her body in about 15 different ways. It did. I went home early. Every tube from my body that was supposed to go home with me to be nursed for a few weeks was pulled early. It, you just wouldn't believe for what it did for my body. And so I made that from that experience, and I just did that to relieve stress. I didn't realize it was going to do all those things. So then I decided, you know, nobody wants chemotherapy, right? I was going to have the longest chemotherapy 
for the longest amount of time and the strongest agents. And I wanted to, you know, figure out how I could get through that. So I was increasing hydration, which lessens the side effects and assures the chemo gets to every cell. And in addition, I decided to walk two miles before chemotherapy and two miles afterwards. And I had an eight hour chemo regimen. And then I walked two to three miles every day in between without fail. Now, the interesting thing is when I got to the end of chemo, my doctors were amazed that I was able to snow ski during chemotherapy. I was able to do that Cooper River Bridge run, not, not running, but walking during chemotherapy. I was able to do things that most chemotherapy patients weren't able to do. And when the chemo was over, six weeks later, the doctor said, you know, we rarely see this but all your blood work is back within normal ranges. And this can take two to five years. Your immune system can be suppressed for the chemo regimen I was on two to five years. Mine was back in six weeks. Now we didn't know exactly why, but about a year later, research would come out in Australia saying that exercise is the best thing someone can do to prevent cancer to begin with and to get through the journey. And then MD Anderson had a study come out with mice showing that the mice who had exercise routines every day during chemotherapy fared better. So now, instead of a chemo patient lying down after chemo all week, they're starting to tell people, move it, move it, move it, if you can. You've got to have the energy. You've got to have the balance. You may have had a surgery where they operated on your lower extremities that are weight bearing, and they might tell you stay off of it for a week and then move. But the point is, things are changing in the cancer world because of this new research. And as my husband and I were praying that God would guide us, we just felt led to do this, not knowing how much it was going to help me to get through chemotherapy. Wow. So, I mean, this is really great. Um, Jenny, now you were obviously in pretty well, you were in good condition, right? I mean, when you came down with this cancer, you know, two miles after surgery, if you're not used to walking two miles, right, right. So the point being, though, is do what you can when you can and you grab. Yes, yes, exactly. And the hydration is an incredible, you know, that's important anyway. You know, I just think people don't hydrate enough, but it's, it's, People don't realize what proper hydration is. They think if they're drinking coffee all day and Cokes all day, that they're getting enough fluid, those dehydrate the body. So I go into great detail in that chapter on hydration to explain what is proper hydration, what enhances it, what takes away from it, and exactly what you need to do with all the medical research, simply put. And then I have an oncologist coming behind me who wrote commentary throughout the book showing how he sees every step in my book, if he were your oncologist and how it would help you. So a lot of doctors are getting on this bandwagon of, yes, patients need to be a part of the cure. The doctors have their job and you had your job. And if you can be the best patient you can do, implement these lifestyle changes that may have helped to cause your cancer to begin with. Let me explain something I learned during the cancer journey. Every system in your body is enhanced by hydration, also by exercise. But there is one system in your body, the lymphatic system, that's part of your immune system, that only works when you move. 
It is your trash disposal system. And especially during chemotherapy, you you have a lot of trash, dead cancer cells, toxins to dispose of. The more you move, the better. It's pumping that lymphatic system to take out the trash. Water helps as well. So those are two keys to preventing cancer to begin with, but helping you to get through the chemotherapy and then preventing cancer from coming back because that is every cancer patient's nightmare is will my cancer come back? Yes. And then the question I also have for you is healthy eating. You know, that's a whole big topic, right? But I've known cancer patients who've recovered and they changed their whole nutritional, you know, um, just framework and everything, you know, in, in how they handle nutrition. One of the things also is sugar. I've heard things about sugar and how sugar feeds, cancer feeds on sugar. It, it, what do you know about, you know, how that relates to people that, you know, are in the cancer survival phase? I'd like to hear your perspective on that too. You avoid sugar during the cancer journey because sugar, I mean, when you have a PET scan, they inject your body with radioactive sugar and then it lights up where the cancer cells are because the cancer cells gobble it up. Okay. They love sugar. And so there was a Nobel Peace Prize winner back in the 1930s that recognized how cancer cells are different from regular cells and they're different metabolically. And it's called the metabolic theory of cancer. And so there are some doctors that tell their patients, you know, cut the carbs. You know, you don't want your blood sugar up. And you, if you can, if you can actually weaken the cancer cells by eating a low carb diet, then it's not as hard for the chemo to do its job. So yes, that has merit. But you know, one of the things I learned that I'm just so grateful to God for so many of the things I learned and how wonderful he is at providing for us. He told Adam and Eve back in Genesis, you know, I give you these plants for your food and plants include fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. And it turns out later on that scientists can now tell you every antioxidant, every phytochemical, plus the different types of fiber that are contained in each and every plant in God's kingdom has cancer fighting power. Some are higher than others. My husband and I now eat a cup of blueberries every day. It helps prevent dementia. It's good for the heart and it's cancer fighting. I also eat a serving or two in my smoothie with those blueberries of cruciferous vegetables because they all contain sulforaphane, which is also cancer fighting, particularly for estrogen fed cancers. So yes, there are things I include in my diet. I have gone to a more organic diet. Not everything has to be organic. I have a listing in my book of the fruits and vegetables that just don't contain a high pesticide residue. So you don't have to get them organic. But then there are things that are high in pesticide and you definitely want to get those organic. But I simply have gone to eating more plants before cancer. 
I'd finally gotten up to five because what I'd learned about Alzheimer's and the need for more fruits and vegetables. And now my husband and I eat 10 to 13 a day. And we love fruits and vegetables and some of the recipes that we've come up with. I don't consider it a drudgery. Yes, I would love to have a hamburger, milkshake, French fries, but that is not something I'm going to do, you know, it, like I used to. It might be a treat every few months or something, you know? Yeah, yes. I'm deprived. God has given us plenty of foods in nature. And when you realize what they do for your body and your health, they sure start to taste better and look better. To crave those things. And I used to hate making recipes where I had to chop, chop, chop. Yesterday, I made a recipe for a soup that's really healthy. I had to chop about seven things up. I would usually avoid a recipe like that. But now I look and I go, I know what chemicals and phytochemicals and what healing elements are in these things. And so I'm willing to chop them up because I want them in my body. You know, I have a different attitude about it. Yes. Well, what a blessing this is that you're sharing this. Of course, there's a faith aspect to this, right? That we haven't leaned into that much. But can you share, Jenny, you know, the transformation that took place, not just the physical transformation, but the spiritual transformation that took place in you, in, you know, your healing journey as you came through this? Would you share that for my listeners? Sure. You know, I learned from those early trials with Watergate and and my family and seeing how God, you know, gave us his protective hand and how he opened and closed doors. And it was just a miracle that we got through that and came out on the other side, healthy, whole and, and serving him. And when this first happened, you know, the first thing I knew was you go to God first, you know. And I looked at Philippians 4, 6 through 8, where Paul is in the trial of his life in prison. And he's telling other people, you know, in Philippians, how to get through trials. And he tells them the first thing, you know what he says, pray about everything. And then he says, give thanks in everything. And you're going, in the middle of you being in prison? Yep. In the middle of me being in a cancer trial? Yep. And then he says, Focus your mind on the good things. And, you know, I found that to help me get through the cancer journey, all the treatments that lasted for several years, all the surgeries, all the chemotherapy, because I started out riding that roller coaster of fear and worry. And I realized I had to get off because my research was showing me that fear and worry and all the negative emotions helped to drive the cancer. So I realized I had to get on a more even keel. And so I began, you know, praying more, reading his word more. And I began focusing on those good things and all the things I had to be thankful for in the midst of the trial of my life. Now, there were a lot of things I could have concentrated on. All of the papers I had to sign saying side effects, including death. You know, how many times I had to sign something like that. And there were so many negatives I could have drowned in the negatives. But by doing this, I was focusing on the good things along the way. And I believe it helped, as the research shows, it helped to promote healing in my body. So while the doctors are having to tear my body down to kill the cancer, 
I am doing everything I can through lifestyle changes and using my faith to manage my emotions to build it back up. So I heard you share a couple of scriptures. Was there, you know, one that you just leaned into all the time? There was a song that came off when I was having a very difficult procedure done, and it's called I Am Not Alone by Carrie Joby. And there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about how God is with you in the trials of your life. And as she was singing that song, it was coming through my earphones while I was having this difficult procedure done, and it just gave me comfort. And when I would start to get nervous because things would happen that would make me nervous or or fearful, I would remember that God is with me. He is right here next to me. And that Romans 8.28, he's going to use all things for my good. Now, honestly, Michelle, I didn't know if I was going to live or whether I was going to die. But I was going, I had a wonderful life and I was going to praise God, even if this was my ticket to heaven, as it was for my mother. So I started having that, using my faith to manage my emotions I had no idea I would come through with flying colors as I did. I would have no idea of the open doors that would allow me to help other people. And I really did not want to, the chaplain suggested, he said, you should write a book, Jenny, you should write a book. And I said, oh no, I'm not writing a book about this. I don't even want to talk about it. you know. And then you couldn't stop me from writing the book because I was learning so many things that can help so many of us to prevent cancer and get through the journey and prevent it from coming back. And I said, you know, the average person is like me. They didn't know the rates of cancer. They didn't know what we're doing on an everyday basis that is helping to make cancer an epidemic in our country. And so I took on the job and the mission of trying to educate others. And God has blessed that. And I just would love to see the cancer rates go down. And I'm, I just hate to hear that another cancer Christian leader might be a missionary. I'm helping some couple, couples where both husband and wife have cancer at the same time. That, that lets you know that it's very prevalent in our society if that is happening. And there might be two different types of cancer. But the point is, there's just too much of it in our country. And I'm trying to do something about that because... You know, it took me out of the, out of, you know, many things, my, my job for a, a good amount of time. And it, you know, when you're sick all the time and, you know, it's hard to get much done. So I really think God wants us to be able to live productive lives. When we're sick, he can use it for good in our lives. But I don't think it's his will for us to be this sick all the time, you know, and do something about that. And my life is definitely healthier. I've never been as healthy as I am today. And that's after the worst chemo known to mankind. And that's only because God created our body to heal and regenerate. So someone can go through chemo and you can come out on the other end and your body can rebuild and regenerate. You need to do the right things to help it rather than, you know, stand in the way. If you don't hydrate properly, it's not going to do that. You don't exercise. And if you don't eat healthy foods, it's not going to do that. But the point is, God created our body to heal and regenerate. And it took the cancer journey for me to learn that and how I can get on board with enhancing that rather than suppressing it. Cancer means your immune system 
is suppressed. And so I had to look carefully at what I was doing that suppressed my own immune system. Yeah, such great words. You know, cancer doesn't have to be a death sentence. It's an awareness of change that needs to occur in your body. And I think the holistic piece is so incredibly important. I do know friends of mine who have made choices not to go down the chemo route for their children. And they have reached out to Christian oncologists who go the uh, nutritional route. Their child has been healed after three months. I mean, it's unreal. What is out there in terms of resources? Have you ever heard of a sea of water? Ginny, a sea of water is really, um, right now, that's kind of the big uh, holistic water. You just drink a tiny little bit. Um, and it is for people with compromised immune systems. It's quite expensive. I mean, there's a lot of different types that you can get. You can get it on Amazon, but you know, I know that people have used that ASEA water in their healing journey. But you know, what I love about your story is, you know, you're providing insight into preventative actions that we as Christians can and all people can take to keep from getting the diagnosis. You know, I think our society is, you know, so busy, 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 you know, and a lot of people forget to really take care of themselves, you know, and it's so important, I think, to make this awareness that, you know, at some point your immune system is changing. And if you don't do some of these things uh, now, as you get older, then you're more compromised and that is, you know, when it seems that um, people begin to get diagnosed, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, you see younger kids that get it. I mean, I'm not like you. I'm not all researched on this and, and this subject or topic, but I do know that, you know, this is great. This is a gift, what you're sharing. And you, of course, are still in the battle of just continuing to keep going, right? And surviving, but you've been in remission, right? Almost five years now, six? About, about six years, I have been in remission and that's, that's a blessing. But the interesting thing about the eight steps in my book that are all medically researched back is that they help prevent all disease, whether it's Alzheimer's, heart disease, type two diabetes, even your immune response to COVID-19, you know, COVID-19 is highly contagious and this variant is even more contagious. So it may not stop you from getting it, but if you do get it, you're not going to, if you have a strong immune system and it's working as God intended, you're not going to have generally as bad of a case than if someone's immune system is compromised. So all this thing during COVID of staying inside, not getting fresh air, not walking, being a couch potato, eating junk food while drinking Cokes all day, which dehydrates you, that's all the wrong things to do. 
You need to keep moving. You need to eat healthy foods. You need to hydrate properly and use the same principles in the book to keep your immune system strong. So maybe you won't get COVID, but if you do, you're not going to have one of these bad cases because they have linked all of the severe cases to comorbidities. And age is a comorbidity. We can't help that. It will always be a comorbidity for everything because your risk factors go up as you age because your immune system does start to weaken as you get older, but you can do things to enhance it. But there are a lot of comorbidities that are causing people to have really bad cases of COVID. And we need to realize that, you know, we are responsible for our health and we need to be proactive. I mean, if this pandemic is teaching us anything, it's that we need to shape up and we need to look carefully at how God created our body to heal the amazing immune system we've been given and capitalize on that and look at the things we're all doing to suppress it and instead help build it up. Right. I agree with you 100%. And that's another reason I thought this was a great time to bring you on the show because uh, the fact that you're you're bringing in wisdom that the Lord has given us, even in his word, as we steward the temple that God has given us, right? And, you know, there's a lot to be said for eating plant-based proteins and plants and, you know, fruits and all those things. I think I've been doing that for a while and it's made a huge difference in my health. And, you know, I've, never really had with the different supplements and, you know, some of the holistic health management that I'm doing, I've really found that I don't get sick seriously. You know, when I do get sick, it's yes, I do, but it's not as severe, but when it comes to, you know, the whole virus fighting or, you know, your body, there's a lot that goes into your health as well when your health is from an emotional standpoint is uh, in a good place. And when it's physically in a good place too. Um, And so I really like the fact that your faith made a huge difference in how you fought the great fight and pushed through this and how you are ministering to others now. And I know that uh, many might be listening today that have really been struggling, you know, in um, their faith. And I would really like, you know, especially with a cancer diagnosis or a health, you know, trauma, you know, I would really love to hear what you would want to share to those listeners that might be battling that right now. I mean, there is an emotional component mental, you know, physical, all those things in the fight of cancer. So I would sure like to hear what you might have to say uh, to those listeners that are struggling. Well, you know, I found out from listening to some seminars online, Dr. Michael Murray said the number two comorbidity behind obesity for COVID, having a bad case of COVID is fear and worry. And so when you start to realize that, that our emotions have a powerful impact on our body and almost every positive emotion, hope, love, 
joy, peace, meditating on God's word, praying, all these things help to calm the emotional brain, which helps to put the body in a healing state. So whatever health journey you're in, if you will use your faith to manage your emotions, you're going to fare better. I was talking to a chaplain who has ministered for, you know, 40, 50 years. And he said he can tell which people are going to really pull through by their attitude. And when you are a child of God, you have a different attitude than the rest of the world. And, and I had to look at this, you know, straight on. If I die from this, okay, then it's my ticket to heaven. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I could die from this and go to heaven. Well, that's not the worst thing in the world. And so, you know, we just have to learn as the Bible tells us how to live so that our body's not stressed all the time. And it's living life one day at a time, trusting him, realizing every day is a gift. None of us knows how long we have. And I must say that there are some people that do everything they can to fight cancer and they don't win the battle but they're not the vast majority. So there are those people and there are those people that do everything wrong and don't get cancer, you know, but again, that's not the vast majority of people. We need to put principles in place, put a plan in place because God told us to take care of the temple. Thank you. I wanted to hear that. So, you know, that makes a big difference in how you steward when you know that there's an accountability factor you know, and I think God gets glorified through that, right? And he is getting glorified through what you're sharing now and all that uh, the doors that God has. So I'll be praying, Jenny, for you as you continue to go through this journey and as you go through your ministering and your, you know, all those things. I'm sure your grandkids and your family love you so much. And um, they're probably just so excited that you're still here and you're doing all the things that you're doing and you're in such a good place. So this is a blessing to have you here. And I thank you. And uh, I also wanted to um, ask Jenny, if you could just share uh, where people can contact you, if they have questions, or maybe they want to um, get your book or have you come speak or inspire, you know, other, other ways uh, where you can reach out and bless others too. A website at www.jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, Brant, B as in boy, R-A-N-T.com. On there is information about the book. They can download a sample chapter. They can go to my cancer prevention blog and sign up to get the weekly updates. As new information about health, wellness, cancer prevention, and cancer treatments come out, I post it on the blog as I continue to research. So I would encourage people to take a good look at the book. It's great for someone trying to prevent cancer. It's great for someone in the cancer journey trying to do everything they can to be a part of the cure. And then for those cancer survivors like me who don't want it coming back. (laughs) Yes. And all of us know cancer survivors. So that's a thing. Um, All of us do. It's really prevalent. So 
Hopefully we'll get those numbers down. Also email me from that website. There's a contact form and they can ask me a question and I will answer them. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. I just, I have a lot of comfort in knowing that you've come into my life, Jenny. And if I needed to reach out, you know, and I'm going to really definitely read your story and your book and lean into what you have shared today. So thank you again. And friends, I will have this episode available to listen to on our website and other information about Ginny and some wonderful pictures of her adventures. And, you know, how she, even going through cancer, she looked beautiful. I mean, she just had such a spirit about her. And so I want you to see those pictures, friends. It's amazing. And thank you again, Jenny. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org.